Hey, hey, hey. I'm Nancy Giles. Welcome to The Giles Files, my very own podcast. You may know me from my Emmy Award-winning work on CBS News Sunday Morning, or maybe from being on a whole lot of political roundtables on MSNBC, or from my acting career, acclaimed China Beach, Delta, award-winning Theater World Award, solo shows, voice. Anyway, okay, enough about me, people. I don't have to tell you. We are living in some wild times. So, here on The Giles Files, we're going to break it all down for you. I'll mix it up in conversations with my friends, the famous and the not-so-famous. I'll share my opinions with a commentary about anything I want to talk about. And we'll toss a little edumacation your way about all kinds of stuff so you will know your damn history, since knowledge is power. Okay? Yo, 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 this is Nancy Giles on The Giles Files. And here with me in the studio is my producer, Nancy Wyatt. Yo, say hi, Nancy Wyatt. Right in tune with my ukulele. The American dream is dead. Politics, as much of it as I can stomach, because lately, it is nauseating. And I'm hyperventilating. So here goes a commentary. We will make America strong again. Donald Trump is the president-elect. Proud again. Clearly, we'll all need some coping strategies to handle our feelings. Psychologist Elizabeth Kubler-Ross and David Kessler broke down the grieving process into seven stages. Shock, denial, anger, depression, bargaining, testing, and acceptance. Well, we adapted them for this political horror show to come. Here are the new seven stages of dealing with a hot mess. Old stage one, shock. shock. New stage one, what? This is the initial full stop stage. The phrase, say what? comes to mind. Physical signs include mouth agape, temporary body paralysis, and loose stools. Old stage two, denial. denial. New stage two, Oh no, he didn't! Fresh from stage one, this stage acts as an emotional systems overload. As in, that did not just happen. No way, Jose. Or, to quote John McEnroe, You cannot be serious! Old stage three, anger. New stage three, What the f***? This stage involves more sounds than words. Primal grunts, (sighs) breath expulsions, teeth sucking. Old stage four, Depression. Depression. New stage four, namaste in bed. To cope with feelings of despondency, this stage taps into the more primal recesses of the mind by recreating a safe, quiet, and dark place in one's bed or corner sectional. The fetal position becomes the preferred posture. Old stage five, bargaining. Bargaining. New stage five, I'm a gonna. That phrase, I'm a gonna, followed by a far-fetched notion is used repeatedly. For example, I'm a gonna move to Canada. I'm a gonna protest. I'm a gonna run for president. This stage connects us with our inner let's make a deal mentality. Tell you what I'm gonna do. For every quarter you've got up to 20, I'll give you 50 bucks. Old stage six, testing. testing. New stage six, keep it real, yo. This stage is the recognition of one's true abilities. I'm not gonna move to Canada. I'm a not gonna protest. I could get hurt. I gotta register to vote. And finally, Old stage seven, acceptance, Acceptance. when you are ready to move forward. Our new stage seven, everything is everything. There is clarity. clarity. It is what it is.
You gotta roll with it. We're doing what a lot of people do when confronted with folks kind of like Donald Trump in our lives, which is that we bend over backwards to accommodate them as much as possible mm. because we don't want to confront them because that's almost inevitably unpleasant. And, you know, it, it brings up all sorts of just unpleasant issues. That's the voice of author, activist and MSNBC contributor Ron Reagan, who, like me, is trying to deal with the new normal of how to live in president-elect Donald Trump's world. Here's more from our post-election conversation. Where do you think we're going to be uh, as a country in six months or in a year? What, what, do, you think, what do you think lies ahead for us? Uh, that, that's a very good question because we have somebody in, in the White or heading into the White House now uh, who, who, frankly, is unstable. Yes, he um, is. And I, I don't think he has any real idea what he's getting himself into. I don't think he intended this to happen when he started out, but I think circumstances and his own ego uh, and just plain old luck um, conspired to deliver him to uh, to the White House. Can we go back to that and for one second? Now we've got a, Do you think that mm-hmm. he was running to be president or just running maybe to uh, help re- uh, extend his brand? What, what do you think his motivations think, were? Oh, extend his brand. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I don't think it, it initially, and I don't know when, you know, it flipped and it, and it, he decided that maybe he was really going to do this. I, I don't, maybe it was the convention. Maybe, uh, I, I don't know. I, I'm not his psychologist. Thank goodness. Yeah. But, well, or, uh, or thank goodness. But, but I'm, I'm quite sure that he didn't start out. Uh, actually running per, for president, intending to end up in the Oval Office. If he did, if he has, in fact, an intending, then he's even crazier than, <laughs> than I think he might be. Oh, no, man. because think about that. Think about a man who, who intends to become president of the United States and has done almost nothing to prepare himself. No. He knows almost nothing about any issue you can name. I mean, he, he betrays his ignorance Every time he opens his mouth, he has not thought about any of this stuff. More of me and Ron later in the program. But right now, here's an urgent musical request that goes out to a supreme lady in a long black robe with a little lace collar. Ruthie Ruth, we need you. Don't you even think about leaving the bench. Ruth Bader Ginsburg, <laughs> Supreme Court Justice. <laughs> We know you fondly as the notorious RBG. We love and respect you, girl, but you're getting up there. Yeah, girl. I seen you catnapping on the bench, cause baby, you're 83. Woo. You gotta hold up. Keep breathing. You're not gone. You ain't leaving. Hold Stay alive. You're not gone. Don't take no job. Well, Liz Scalia is younger than you. So his seat is vacant. And now Donald Trump. Gets to put somebody in his place. But that fool could choose a nut job yeah. with ties to Russia. And he dragged the country down with that hideous smile on his face. You gotta hold on. You're not gone. Go. Don't want you dead. Hold on. You're not gone. Take your meds. Hold on. You're not going. Go below. Hold on. You're not Stay smart and sober. Hold on. You hear us, Ruth Bader Ginsburg? You're not going. You aren't going nowhere. Check your balances, girl. You gotta stay in because you gotta battle against those Clarence Thompson. And we will make America great again. My first response to all of that is, 
When were we not great? That's my running buddy, Eamon, from Weehawken, New Jersey, and he's one of the smartest minds I've ever met. Eamon just turned 14, he's in the 8th grade, and he has a lot to say about this world. We have the strongest military on the face of this planet, and if we cut, we, literally, if we cut our military budget by 80%, we will still have the strongest military in the world. What do you think they mean when they say, make America great again? What do you think they mean? I really don't know, but if I were to take a guess, I would assume that it's kick out all the illegal immigrants, don't keep anybody in here who's not allowed in here, and if they're not white, Christian, and straight, then, or I'm just saying this because this is what my friend in my class said, this is not at all all Republicans and all Trump supporters, but like everybody who's white, Christian, and straight should stay in the country, and people who have different beliefs and who don't support Trump and think that America is not a great country should not be in the country. I mean, my school's in Union City, which is very, like, Spanish. It's very populated, but it's a very Spanish-populated area, so there's a lot of, like, Latino kids in my class and Mexican kids, mm -hmm. and I don't know. I mean, like, coming from a place like Weehawken and going to school in Union City... Just hearing that, like, they want only white people in America is just scary because America is not all white. We were, I mean, we were started by all white people, but they, none of them were, were originally from our country because everybody who was from our country was not white. They were all they were Na Native Americans. Native Americans who were here first. Yeah, and um, so, like, it goes back to the high school selection pro process for me because... There's a school in Bergen County called Bergen Catholic, and my friend was like, dude, don't go there. It's all white kids. And I was like, wait, seriously? And he was like, yeah, don't go there. i got to ask, the person who said, dude, don't go there, it's all white kids, is that a, was that a white friend of yours or a Hispanic? What, just so I know, what it, race? It was, it was a white friend of mine. So he and, was saying, don't do that. He was like saying, that's not what it, this is yeah. about. Because for me, if I walked into a place with all just white kids who were like the exact same as me, I'd just feel weird because my entire life I've been in places with diverse groups of people like uh, Native American, like African Americans, Latinos, Hispanics, even Muslim people and Indian and Mexican and a ton of different kinds of people that being in a room with everybody who was the same race as me would just feel weird. Know your damn history. Sing it with me. Know your damn history. According to the LA Times, the word emolument was used back in the 18th century to refer to the compensation or profit that went with holding office. Okay? The emolument clause Article 1, Section 9, Clause 8 of the Constitution was created in Philly, home of the cheesesteak, in 1787 as part of the Constitutional Convention. Know your damn history. This is a kind of unprecedented situation we find ourselves in. And now, back to our uh, conversation with Ron Reagan. It, it is true that, the, that there is no law against conflicts of interest that, that, uh, that apply to the President of the United States. They apply to everybody else who serves in government. Everybody else who serves in the federal government would have to divest themselves of any uh, you know, uh, financial interests that they had or put them into blind trust. But the President is, in fact, excluded from that particular thing. There is also the Emoluments Clause 
of the Constitution, and this is very, it's cut and dry there. The, the founders did not want presidents of the United States taking money from foreign governments, foreign sources. They, they were alert to the possibility of a young and not particularly wealthy yet country being uh, bribable, essentially. <sighs> And so they put this emoluments clause in there that it says, absolutely, you, as president of the United States, you cannot receive money from anybody associated with a foreign government or a foreign government. Now, his, his entanglements, including uh, you know, his, his hotels overseas, uh. the fact that, that foreign dignitaries may stay at his hotel as they uh. have been in Washington, D.C., mm-hmm. that right there, as soon as, as soon as they pay their bill, basically, at the hotel, He's profiting. he is receiving money. Exactly. He is profiting uh, you know, from a foreign, uh, foreign government, and he's in violation of the Constitution, as I understand it. I'm not a constitutional scholar, but I've been reading about this, as all of us have been uh, lately, and this seems pretty cut and dry. There, there's another th- problem for him. His hotel, his, and I say his hotel. We talk about these hotels as if he has built all of them. That's Most right. of these hotels that we're talking about are simply places that somebody else built, right. and they paid him to put his name on them. He's got licensing you know? so, interests. Yes, licensing that's right. interests in, in, in these hotels. They, you know, it, it makes it sound like he's some Howard Rourke, Ayn Rand figure <laughs> who's building skyscrapers all over the world. And he's there's Patricia Neal standing there waiting yeah. for him. Yeah. Yes. He's, he's selling his name to this like he sold it to Trump University and the Trump stakes and the, you know, all, the, all the rest of the crap that he peddles. You know? so, but anyway, the one in Washington, D.C. Uh, is on government land, and it specifically says in the lease that no that they, that nobody associated with the government can profit from the you know that property well he's going to be president of the united states he cannot profit but he'll be in violation of his lease the moment he's sworn in I am so tired of politics and of the election and of Donald Trump and his raggedy hair so let's just like shift gears here a bit and just have some People talking. Yeah, me and my friend just talking at the office. What's office talk? Office talk. Just talking about whatever we want. Blah, blah, blah. Blah, blah, blah. You know that uh, Kevin, what's his? Kevin Hart. Hart made the most amount of money this yes. year of any comedian. Fortune 500. 90, I think it was $90 million. Good for him. I guess, right? I mean, t- Seinfeld had been topping it year after year after year. I don't year. even think Seinfeld's on the list. Oh, no, year. he is. He's, oh, number, he is? he's dropped to number two. He's, with no, only, he's number two? Yeah, with only $55 million. We're talking about making money from their comedy. He's already, like, way, 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 way rich from Seinfeld. Yeah. But this is, like, going on the road doing comedy. Well, Kevin's... Got a lot of product out there. He does. He's a little teeny guy, too. Movies. Yeah, he's about as tall as his desk. Yeah, he's like 5'2", maybe. Maybe. The first time I ever saw him was on an episode of Modern Family where he played the next-door neighbor, and he and, um, uh, I can't think of the lead guy's name, Phil, they were very, very funny together, and when they stood next to each other, I was like, that guy is short. Yeah. It's rare you see, I hope this isn't sounding like a stereotype, but it's rare unless they're little kids that you see... Don't be mad, Kevin Hart, because we'd love to have you on the show. It's just rare when you see a black guy that short, don't you think? 
I've seen a lot of short black guys. See, Nancy always confounds me. You know, like, whatever. Like, like who? Like Bruno Mars. Oh, he's I th- is he black? I thought he was black and Filip- or Filipino or something like he's that. He's of color. Oh, okay. All right. Well, we're talking um, of men of color. Me okay, let me see. Who else is short and black? Short um, black guys. Short Sammy Davis Jr. Oh, yeah, but he's not alive anymore. Oh, you, How about, didn't, you didn't specify. All right, live short black guys. Live, live short famous black, black guys. guys. Yeah. Do, 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 do. I'm drawing a black. I can't see anybody black. See what I mean? That's my point. Anyway, he's rich and um, making a lot of money on movies and I think doing voiceovers and doing animated characters. I'm jealous. His his house husbands of Beverly Hills was brilliant. Right. A spoof on reality. That's what he did. That was great. That was. He really rode the crest. He he picked up on that really quickly and did that show and that was very funny. Yeah, and I know he did that movie with uh, Will Ferrell, Hard Time. Oh, right. Uh, I mean, he's done lots of movies. He has. And I, he's I in, haven't seen a lot of them. He's in one now with The Rock. What do you think of The Rock? Now he's Dwayne Johnson, which... Dwayne. I'm so glad he doesn't have that dumb name anymore. I think Dwayne's short. You think Dwayne is short for his longer name? No, I think he's short in stature. Dwayne Johnson? Yeah, I think so. Oh, I my God. Wrong, I, I think so. Have you been watching Ballers? He towers over everybody oh, all the time. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I'm wrong. Well, no. I mean, they'd have to have Apple boxes, like... To, hey, to beat the band. It wouldn't be the first time. No, it wouldn't. And for those of you who aren't in the business and don't know, Apple boxes are basically boxes that short people stand on to make them look more in line with the taller people they're acting with. Yeah, and when they block the scene, that short person's always in the foreground. And the other people <laughs> in the background, it's like a triangle. Yeah, look for that. Yeah, if you've never seen the movie Shane with Alan Ladd, he was a quite a famous movie actor who was quite short. I think he was about 5'5". Five five. And rarely will you see his feet if he's in a scene with someone else. <laughs> but he, boy, he's good. And in Shane, you know, you're kind of scared of him. He stands there, but he's like, hey, man, I'm 5'5". Five five. Hey, you know, I'm doing all this by ear. I don't even have a tuning thing. Anytime? Just okay. before we get started, if you could just have a quick sip of water. You mean Lewis? Lewis yeah. He's yeah. got this gravelly voice. He's not going to change. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> like this is going to do it? This will turn the corner? That's the voice of my crazy friend Lewis Black. And if you want to hear more of our conversation, then you have to come back and join us on our next oh God, Giles Files. Well, that's our show. Thanks to our guests, Ron Reagan, and my Weehawken homie, Eamon. Yo, Eamon! The Giles Files was created by Nancy Giles and Nancy Wyatt. Produced, directed, and edited by Nancy Wyatt. Recorded at our studios in Weehawken and Union City, New Jersey, and at Showbridge Studios in New York City. Thanks to our future big-name sponsors, and we'll be back soon with our next Giles Files. Okay? Okay?